this is Dr. Farnan and... And Dr. Lanier. From Cutting Edge Foot and Ankle, and you're listening to another amazing MedNation podcast, the show that involves two podiatrists having conversations with industry experts for people who love to learn about everything and anything from head to toe. Today, we invited our one of our providers, Hannah Roos. She's a nurse practitioner to our podcast. Welcome to MedNation, Hannah. Yeah. Thank you. So before we start our conversation, Hannah, please introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, so my name is Hannah Bruce. I am a nurse practitioner at Music City Primary Care. Um, obviously, prior to being a nurse practitioner, I was a nurse and I worked, I started as a nurse tech at Centennial Medical Center and worked there for about, well, two years as a tech and then three years as a nurse. And then I worked in home health nursing and now I'm here. That's great. We are excited to have you be part of our team. So you work in the hospital for some years, and now you're working in a private practice. I know this is very, you know, soon to for you to have an opinion on um, how it's going. But I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna ask, how is it going? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is good. Let's hear some brute honesty here. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. I had a patient yesterday that I was talking to about it, and he was just like, you know what? This is your growing pains, and you just got to get through this stage. And then once I get my footing, I know that it'll be better. But there have been moments in every day, whether it was with a patient or an email, where I've had confirmation that I know that this is what I'm supposed to do and that I'm where I need to be. So... Just growing pains. You mentioned too, you did, uh, you like kind of the home health, nursing home care. You have a passion for that. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. The older, the better. But I love all my young patients too. <laughs> Fantastic. And tell me about where did that passion kind of start and and, and why? Because, um, you know, you see a lot of folks love doing that kind of work. And then I feel like that particular niche uh, of patient population. I mean, you really have to have that passion. You have to have patience and really want to want to do it as opposed to get put in a situation like that. So how did that, how did that begin? And tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure when it began, to be honest, when I, I know when I was in nursing school, I was convinced that I wanted to do pediatrics and I loved my pediatrics rotation, but as I started doing my med surge rotations, I was one of the little oddballs that loved it, but I realized that I loved it because I saw a lot more geriatric patients. And so I think just like leaving each clinical day in nursing school and realizing how much happier I was when I was hanging out with an 80-year-old grumpy man that I just realized that's what I needed to do. And then um, when I was in orthopedics, I you know, a lot of them are like happy, healthy people just getting a knee replacement, shoulder replacement. But pretty much any time we had like a grandma or grandpa that fell and hurt their hip, they would give them to me because they knew that I would be obsessed with the patient and spend all day with them. So I think it was more just realizing how much joy I had in my job when I had that patient population. I agree. Do you have, you know, building on that, can you elaborate on a time that you met a particular patient that always resonates with you whether they're 105 or one in particular that you, you know, a patient that you always remember and what stories that they told you. Go ahead. I mean, there's a lot of those. I worked um, home health for a long time for one family. And I think just seeing um, the changes that occurred throughout the time I was with them and just learning life lessons from um, the patient that I was with, she kind of just taught me to see the joy in every moment and to not take life too seriously. 
sometimes we'd be embarrassed whether, you know, we'd be in public and she would just look at me and be like, does this matter tomorrow? Do we need to worry about this tomorrow or can we just get through the day? And so I think that was just a good perspective. Um, another patient I had at Centennial, actually, she, um, she had fallen and she was, I think, 103. But I think that's when I fell in love with geriatric care as a provider, per se, um, because I saw Dr. Beck. She used to work at the first clinic. She moved to Canada. But just watching her care for that patient and just the kindness and just the generosity of her time that she spent with the patient and the family and just the encouragement throughout that process was probably the first time that I was like, oh, I need to go back to school and I need to be a provider so I can be like Dr. Beck. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's powerful. Now, talking about that and now looking at the, you know, nurses shortage that's happening um, and how it's affecting the patient safety and, that, you know, you know support to doctors. What does nursing shortage mean to healthcare? Loaded question, Dr. Lanier. <laughs> um, so I also, I forgot about this, in the past year have been um, teaching nursing school. And so I've been teaching students, you know, in labs and then in their first clinicals in the hospital. And so I think it hits a little harder for me, not only because I've seen it, you know, firsthand in the hospital and through my friends that are still working in the hospital, but just seeing my nursing students being so excited and so ready to go work in the hospital. And then unfortunately in the past couple years, we've seen a huge turnover of people leaving the hospital really quickly, going back to school or doing travel nursing. So I think that the word nursing shortage is used inappropriately a lot of times because it's not actually that we have a shortage of people with an RN degree. It's more that we have a shortage of nurses who are willing to work in the work environments that we're presented with. Very well put. And I, I would second that, Hannah. I think I agree with you. I think we don't have a shortage of the actual person who embodies the RN degree. I think you're absolutely right. One's well, that to that, uh, that's a good point, but I might want to dispute that just because I was asking a lot of people why we have in general shortage of employees and what they were what I got the answer and I agree with this answer was uh, during the pandemic a lot of baby boomers retire and we don't have enough people to cover the shift the number that was retired that could be the reason too potentially but that has been you know baby boomers have been retiring and been in the hospital for a minute now if you actually look up like the percentage of people in like the percentage of nurses, I didn't write down the stats, but the percentage of nurses based on the percentages of hospital, it is the same as it always has been. However, the patients are living longer, getting more sick, having more ailments in the hospital longer. And the problem is the conditions for nurses haven't changed. So not saying that 10 years ago, taking care of six patients would be better, but their patients are getting extensively more complicated as time goes on and nurses are getting placed with more patients as time goes on. Yeah, that's a good point. So in, from your perspective, how can we fix that? Well, <laughs> um, you and I, we can't do anything. <laughs> it's going to have to be a whole system change. The biggest thing 
I mean, there's tons of things. The biggest thing I would say would have to be safe staffing ratios being enforced in the workplace. And, you know, when you get hired, you hear about these staffing ratios, you hear they're great. But when the second we're in a crisis, which has been the past three years, um, those staffing ratios are blurred. So it's going to have to be companies hiring more people in network rather than just doing travel nursing. I kind of think as travel nursing as like, they're amazing, they fill gaps, but they're what they're doing is they're filling gaps. They're not fixing the gaps. So it's better for six weeks while they're there. And then that nurse leaves and travels somewhere else. And then we still have the same issues that existed before. So a lot of our hospitals are increasing the number of patients per nurse. Did that scare you? You know, safety issue? Um, yes, definitely. I know that at the hospital I was at, I had, and this was before the pandemic hit, but I had pretty strict staffing ratios. I never, ever had more than five patients, but I have a couple friends that work at a different hospital and they have had up to eight and their acuity of their care is significantly more than my patients were. So that is very scary to me. That's always been scary to me. It's been like that since they started, they've had those ratios and it's of course gotten a little worse and a little more complicated over time, but it's always been very scary to me because if you have one patient have a heart attack and you have seven more, those seven just have to hold on for a little bit. You know, going back to the nursing shortage, do you think it had been, you know, something that had been kind of brewing, you know, prior to COVID? Or do you think, you know, given COVID in March and everything that had happened at the hospitals, do you think COVID is a big contribution to what happened to the nursing shortage? I think that the nursing shortage has been there for decades. I think that COVID accelerated it and that it brought more attention to it. I also think that just through the use of social media in the past couple of years, um, just the conditions that nurses are working in have been brought to light a little more. So I don't think COVID started it by any means. I don't think it... I don't think that it is like a main trigger behind the nursing shortage. I think that it's always been there and that conditions have gotten worse over time and that patients obviously have been sicker and we've been in a pandemic with patients that we didn't know what was wrong with them. You know, no one wanted to be exposed to COVID, but the nurses were supposed to walk in with masks that didn't fit their faces and, you know, ran out of gloves, ran out of shields. We didn't really know what was effective, but you were supposed to go in and take care of them regardless. So I think it just accelerated and amplified every single problem that already existed. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, I agree with it. So it, it is, it is, uh, it is what's happening uh, right now. This is what COVID looks like. Do you think uh, the COVID era is going to continue for a long time? I mean, I think coronavirus will be a virus that's always going to be around us. And it's just it's going to be like the flu, like eventually we'll know how to treat it and we'll be able to, you know, we already have vaccines. And so I think that it's just going to be people having to reframe their mind because a lot of people I talked to a patient yesterday that, you know, was diagnosed with COVID and, you know, people are having extreme PTSD either from what they experienced in the hospital or just the anxiety around the diagnosis and the symptoms they're experiencing. So. I think it'll always be a part of healthcare, unfortunately. So if you have to do it again, would you, would you be a nurse? Would you be a nurse practitioner? And would you work in a private um, clinic? Yeah, of course. I would definitely, I tell everybody that wants to be a nurse practitioner to work a while as a nurse first. Right. 
Um, I worked for five years as a nurse before I became a nurse practitioner. And I think that that is what grew me. And not only um, as a provider, but also just as a human, I learned how to be more compassionate to patients. And I've seen patients in lots of different situations that I never would have seen just walking around in the outside world. Um, So, yes, I would definitely go back. I would still do the same thing, but I just encourage people to work as a nurse for a while. I agree. And I think what you said just resonated with me and I can relate with that. When I was in residency, we see those patients, we do surgery on them with our attendings, but we don't see them. We don't follow up with them. But having, you know, you get to to see patients, you get to follow up with them. They become part of your family. So I think that's what private practice offers. Let's talk a little bit about your experience so far. I mean, you're a few weeks here, you know, in terms of or maybe a month even into private practice. What have been some of your challenges you feel taking over uh, private practice, medical care, and, and how, you know, what advice would you give young FNPs and NPs in pursuing such goals like yourself? I would say probably just embracing the uncomfortableness of where we are. And, you know, each time you're pushed to be uncomfortable, you stretch and you grow more. And I knew that I could, you know, I could go back to the hospital as a nurse or work in home health or do any of those things and be comfortable. But by working in private practice, I am able to make a substantial difference in my patients' lives and take the time that I want to spend with them. And the biggest difference for me is just that as a nurse, I just always crave to see the end of my patient. Like we saw them when they were really sick, but we never got to see them recover and kind of strive throughout the rest of their life. So I think that my encouragement would just be knowing that you'll get the opportunity to follow the patients and that it's going to be really hard in the beginning, but there's a light. I haven't reached the light at the end of the tunnel, but I'll get there. (laughs) You're almost there. (laughs) I think if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. I believe in that. So I 100% believe in that as well. Hannah, thank you so much for taking your time. Uh, I know you'd rather be at home with your husband and with your dogs, but we definitely like the information we got from you. I'm sure patients appreciate it. Yeah, and it gave, you know, what I love talking to you, Hannah, like I've gotten a chance to know you in a short time, and you're just, you're very humble, you're you're very down to earth, and, and, and I mean that in the the, the best ways and you're just easy to talk to and I enjoy talking to you and we both Dr. Lanier and I both welcome you to this wonderful organization and we're excited to have you and I think she can second that and uh, we appreciate you again like Dr. Lanier said taking your time to speak with us and speak with the audience so of course thank you guys for having me wonderful so thanks for listening everyone to another wonderful uh, Med Nation podcast with your host Dr. Farnan and Dr. Lanier we we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mrs. Hannah Bruce. If you want to hear more conversations like this, join us for our next episode. As always, you can head over to the Apple Podcast and Spotify to hear more episodes like this. If you have any questions for uh, Hannah and or us, check out the links in the description below and feel free to email us and connect. We love answering your guys' questions. That's all for this week's episode. See you guys next time. See you next time.